I believe we're amongst the brave remnant of locals that did not flee when the bikers descended upon our town. Another rally almost over. Uh oh. Well, shoot. Give me one second, please. Would you mind connecting this? I had it all pulled up and it pulled off. All right. Sorry about a little technological difficulties. Awesome. So let's start with a few announcements um, and then we'll get into um, the Word of God. So a couple things I wanted to highlight. First, you've got to remember that we're not going to be here next week. Um, please spread that word. It'll be such a sweet change of pace. Uh, if you guys have been up to Rimrock and seen the meadow, we went tubing today and kind of exited there. It's such a beautiful spot. And so to set up right in the middle of God's beautiful creation in order to worship him, uh, it just seems like the way that things should be done. So we'll be up there next week at 530. Um, thank you. No. Uh, the second one, um, there's a retreat taking place at my wife and I's cabins on October 24th through the 26th. It's a two-day retreat. I'll be hosting it as well as a buddy of mine who's a Christian counselor that's based in Buffalo, Wyoming. We've been doing these every year we, for five years, six years now. We just offer it up and see who wants to get away. We want to pull away from the insanity of our normal lives in order to simply focus in on God and what he wants to do in their lives. Um, in this retreat, we're going to be focusing in on bringing the good and bad to God. So the idea that God wants to connect with every aspect of our life. Often we just come to him when things are bad or we sing him praises when things are good. Right? But it's the idea that he wants to connect with every moment of your existence. And so we're going to analyze that collectively, but then you'll have so much time to just sit and to meditate, to journal, to get out in the hills and play. We'll go on hikes. Climbing will be an option. There's just all sorts of things that we throw in there. Um, and the cost is minimal. And if cost is an issue, just let me know, and it'll be free. So if you've got questions on that, please let me know. Um, and the last one, um, I made, sent out quite a few emails like a week and a half ago about a, a girl named Layton. Uh, Danny and Caitlin Scully, uh, they come here, their eight or nine-year-old daughter, um, they discovered that she has an immune blood disorder, an autoimmune blood disorder, and she was life-flighted to Sioux Falls like two weeks ago, and they were able to diagnose things and put her on a road to recovery, and she was back here last week. Uh, I just found out last night that she has some major issues with her kidneys, uh, blood in the urine, like things like that. And so they were unable to take her to Sioux Falls until Monday when the kidney specialist gets in. So this is something we got to pray about right now, like right here, right now, for her, but for her family. Uh, there's just power in the collective approach to prayer. So I'm just going to do it. Please join me. God, we come before you boldly because you are the creator of everything and you are... Your desire is to save humanity from everything. And so we ask that you would miraculously intervene with Caitlin's, or with uh, Layton's body, that you would move within her blood and everything that's going on within her kidneys, that you would physically touch them. And so that way she's brought back to normal. God, work in the specialist minds, grant them wisdom, let them see what is going on. God, just touch that little girl's body. We also pray for her mom and her dad, her sister. Just give them strength and peace that is beyond explanation. Allow them to be comforted by you and your goodness. Satan, get out of here. Be gone in the name of Jesus. Anything that you are doing against them, I demand that you 
you remove those assignments. God, we trust you. That's why we come before you. Make it happen. Amen. You know, it's a big desire of God's that the church is a place where you come for support um, when things are good and bad. And so if there's ever anything going on within your life, good or bad, just let me know, let somebody from here know, so that way we can just present it to your church. So that way we can collectively um, just move into the battle against what's going on. All right, the suspense is killing me here. Trust me, you don't want to hear me just wing it. There's so many rabbit trails that I would love to go down that I don't want to go down. All right, so we've been focusing on the last, what, two and a half months, um, looking at 12 unshakable principles of the Bible, 12 things that regardless of the uh, denomination that you're involved in, what church you go to, um, this is what is true with reasonable interpretation. And tonight we're going to look at the unseen. We're going to jump into the Bible's view on the spiritual realm. And I don't have a soft opening for you guys. No cute little story, no little analogy, so get ready because we're hitting the ground running. You know, our world exists in the context of a whole other world, a whole other realm, the spiritual world. This is a realm in which God and his angels exist. It is a place where a person's soul or spirit, the essence of who they are, will go when their physical bodies die. The spiritual world is a place where our creator resides, and one day we will too. But it is also a place of tension. In the spiritual world, an epic battle is taking place between good and evil, between light and darkness. Now this one's so easy for our culture and those of us who have been raised in our culture to just dismiss. So please fight against what our culture would call logic, your logic, your rationale as we jump into this. I'm just looking at what the Bible tells us is true about this entire other place, the unseen, that has major impacts upon our life. So let's kind of set some premise for why uh, there's this tension, why there's this battle. So God, the creator of everything, gave both angels and humanity free will. It's kind of a mind bender, right? The ability to choose who they are going to trust, where their allegiance lie. At some point early on in the history of everything God created, a war broke out in the spiritual world. Satan or the devil and his angels chose to reject God's authority and fight against him. Michael, one of God's angels, led the counterattack and defeated Satan. The devil and all his followers were thrown down to earth. This is coming from Revelation 12. A war broke out in heaven. It's not my words, it's the Bible. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back, but they were defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. The great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. From this position on earth, Satan began to deceive all of humanity, starting with Adam and Eve. So many of us know this story. Tempting them to rebel against God's authority, convincing them that they knew as much as, if not more, than their creator. And they had no need to trust God and his plans for their lives. Humanity chose to rebel against God's authority and his plan for creation. But Satan did not stop with that initial tempting. 
according to Jesus, Satan and the kingdom of darkness that he reigns over, their goal is to steal and kill and destroy. That's John 10.10. He remains active in our world. That one's hard for us to grasp. But Satan, right, this, this individual, this being whose goal is to bring evil and destruction into your life exists. He is very real. You know, like I said, it's very easy for us to doubt that, but let me give you two little points to consider. Do you believe in God? Most people that you ask that will say yes. If you believe in a spiritual being that is a source of goodness, then why could Satan not exist? Second thought. Is our culture the only culture amongst all of humanity that knows truth? Of course, we can't say that's true, right? We're not that arrogant. You know, the thing is, if you look at a Latin American culture, look at African culture, Asian culture, so many other cultures believe in the existence of spiritual evil and its influence on our lives. Just because Western culture has so many advancements in technology and medicine, the benefits we receive from that, it does not mean that we are right in every way. All of the pain and loss and agony that humanity experiences stems from the kingdom of darkness and its utter rebellion against God and his goodness. Think about it. If God is the source of good, when we reject him, then we reject the goodness that he brings. All right, back to Satan. He's the ruler of this kingdom. He desires to bring the pain and loss that he experiences on the rest of creation. Now, he doesn't have the ability to force people to doubt God. We are all given free will. But it seems that he's very good at the art of deception. 2 Corinthians 4.4, he's described in this way. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So the God of this world, Satan, the devil, has blinded the minds he desires to deceive all of mankind into believing two things, clouding their minds so they think two things. Either they are being tempted or they are being accused. He either tempts or he accuses. He tempts us to believe that we are our own gods, that we are innately good and wise and do not need to rely on the one that made us that we are self-sufficient and can accomplish all things on our own. Or he accuses us and makes us think that we are worthless, that we should be utterly ashamed of all that we have done and fear God because of the wrath that he desires to pour out on us. And I believe he's done a really good job at this. Just look at the world we live in. There are so many prideful people and there are so many people that are buried in shame. So many who have the abundant life stolen from them, whose lives are destroyed because of their high and low views of themselves. So many people that will hang on to their deceived ways of thinking as they enter an eternity without God. But, right, there's a divine conjunction. I've talked about this before. But the kingdom of darkness is not the only kingdom that exists. If it was, we would be swallowed up by pain and loss. 
We still have so much good in our world because of the kingdom of God. God is fully good and desires for humanity to experience life and love and joy and peace, right? The things that we want. As we have looked at over the last past few weeks, God has done everything needed to be done to redeem us from the kingdom of darkness's eternal bondage. By trusting in Jesus instead of ourselves, we are atoned and reconciled to the perfect creator. We are given eternal security and unwavering promise that we will experience God's unending goodness after this temporary life is over. And on God's appointed day, whenever that is, Satan and the kingdom of darkness will be fully eradicated. Think about that. All evil, all pain, all loss, gone. But in the here and now, this side of heaven, the redeemed are still in the midst of the battle. That's really what I want to focus in on tonight, is that battle that we all fight, that we are fighting right now, whether you know it or not. We're going to look at Ephesians 6, 10 and on. This is Paul writing, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the strategies of the devil. For your struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Now, Paul clearly lays out where our battle lies. It is in the spiritual realm, against rulers and authorities and cosmic powers of the kingdom of darkness. He is not dismissing the suffering and the hardship that we face in the physical world. It's important to know Paul is writing Ephesians, this book, from a prison cell. He is chained up in a cold and dark place. He knows the suffering that exists in this world. However, due to his eternal perspective, that bigger and fuller understanding of this life, he states that the true battle is against those who are battling for our souls. Those that want to pull our focus away from the source of life. You know, Jesus says this in Matthew 10, 28 to his disciples, do not fear those who kill the body, right, who bring physical harm, but, ca- but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That's an incredible final statement for Jesus to make. Do not worry about those who can hurt you physically. All but one of his disciples were martyred. But worry about the one who is looking to steal your soul. Like I mentioned before, Satan and his army's desire is to deceive us into believing that we either do not need God to receive the life we deeply desire or that we are too worthless to ever be given the life we long for. When he does this, when we believe that we do not need God or that we will never be able to earn his love, we are in the worst place imaginable. We are operating solely out of our own limited strengths and abilities. We are relying on our own broken and temporary understanding of how to best live life, which always eventually ends in pain and loss. You know, even though Satan does not have the power to force us to obey him and his logic, he does have the ability to sway or influence a person's way of thinking, which impacts one's emotions. Out of our thoughts and our feelings come our decisions. 
In verse 11, Paul writes about the wiles of the devil. Another way to translate this is strategies. The devil has been around for a long, long time and has developed strategies to pull us away from what is true. You know, I believe a major tactic of his is to tempt or accuse us personally with custom-built attacks. Let me give you an analogy, maybe to make this a little bit more obvious, connectable. So if you open up a piano, like an actual piano, not a keyboard, but a piano, and sing into it, certain strings will vibrate based on the key that you are singing. If you are musically talented or want to mess around with the tone of your voice, you can figure out how to sing in the key of A or C or E, right, by watching which strings react to your voice. Satan and his helpers approach humanity in the same fashion. By observing us and the ways we speak and act and the decisions that we make, they begin to understand the natural, sinful tendencies that we each have. And this is how they sang into our minds. They tempt or accuse us in ways that resonate deep within our hearts, the core of who we are. Let me give you an example from my life to make this even more clear. You know, some of you have heard this story. I bring it up often. There's a lot of different examples, but this big one just... It just resonated that much better tonight. I don't know. So seven or eight years ago, when God grabbed my attention in like a really obvious way, and he began to radically change my life, I knew the importance of no longer getting high, something that I had done for a decade prior. You know, I stopped exposing myself to that temptation and resolved to no longer smoke weed. But during this time, thoughts would continually flood into my mind to get high. Even though I didn't want to thank them, I did everything to keep them there, they would flood into my mind. And these are the type of thoughts that would cause my mouth to water. You know, Satan knows how to best tempt us in whatever way we naturally lean. He encourages us to seek pleasure or wealth or popularity so that way we can be truly happy. He knows how to accuse us in ways that bring us to our knees speaking words of discouragement that make us doubt our redemption and the endless love of God. And he tries to make us believe that illusion is reality. 1 Peter 5.8 describes Satan in this way. Discipline yourself, keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary the devil prowls around looking for someone to devour so important to remember how big and how powerful he is and what he desires to do to you. But because of, our crea- of who our creator is, we are not simply sitting ducks. Tonight, time we have left, 10, 15 minutes, we will examine how we can defend ourselves. Next week, we're going to look at how we are called to fight back. So in Ephesians 6, Paul continues to write about how we are to defend ourselves against the strategies of the devil. Let's read it. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and have done everything to stand firm. Stand, therefore, and fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As as shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. All right. 
So we're going to walk through this just quickly. But it's crucial to note before we get started and always remember that this is the armor of God. It is not our armor. It is not the armor of a wise and respected counselor. It is God's armor. God is the only one that can defeat defeat Satan and his strategies. So let's just break this down a little bit. Paul was a Roman, and he was traveling through the Roman Empire, writing to a colony in Ephesus, which is in Rome. So he's most likely referring to a Roman, uh, Roman armor. If you wouldn't mind putting that picture up, Michael. So the belt of truth. The belt is weight-bearing. It, is the breast, it held the breastplate secure, and it hung, from it hung the sword. It is the foundation of the armor. Truth is what we must always return to. In John 8, 44, Jesus refers to Satan as the father of lies. He deceives us by pulling us away from the truth, by causing us to believe a lie, to believe that pleasure or money or people's approval will bring us fulfillment. He lies to us, convincing us that we are innately good and that we can produce the life we desire. Or his lies push us to believe that we are beyond the reach of God's grace, that we have sinned too much and can no longer be redeemed. The foundation of this armor, our defense against Satan, is the truth. The truth of who we are and the truth of who God is. The truth that we are broken and in need of something far bigger than ourselves to save us from our own folly. And that God is love. That he desires above all else to redeem us. And that he will continually interact with us regardless of how low we go that his love for us is unwavering. The truth that when we cry out to the almighty maker of everything, we are reconciled with our creator, adopted as his sons and daughters. It's that foundational truth that will dispel everything that Satan brings into your mind. We must come back to that truth. We must saturate our minds and lives with reality. Truth will always dispel lies. You know, the rest of the armor, I believe, connects directly to truth. So the breastplate of righteousness. Now, the breastplate is one of the most crucial pieces because of what it covers. And a soldier, this is important to know, cannot put it on alone. It requires a second person. Spiritually, righteousness or the approval of God is the most important thing we can have. Due to our brokenness, we are unable to achieve this on our own. We are innately flawed. But through Jesus, we can become fully righteous, 100% accepted in the eyes of God, regardless of what we do in the past, present, or in the days to come. This is one of the most foundational truths in defending Satan's, against Satan's attacks. Attacks. It guards against the lies that we have fallen out of God's love or favor. Shoes. Another important little tidbit. Romans sandals had a spur or a spike in the bottom of them so they could literally dig their feet into the dirt as the enemy pressed in. Now this is all for defense, right? So pressing in, they're pushing in, and there's that spur that digs into the ground. Think of the movie 300. Paul states that we must put on whatever will make us ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. This is open to interpretation, but I believe that one of the things that he may be referring to are the spiritual disciplines. To pray, 
Study the Bible. Fast. Be generous. Meet regularly with other believers. By doing these things regularly, a person is able to hold fast to the truth that, life, that brings life, not the lies that bring destruction. You know, at some point in, Dece- in September, we're going to dig into the spiritual disciplines. All right, the next three, we're going to go fast. Shield of faith. A Roman shield has the ability to cover a soldier's entire body in the same way that faith in the unseen can fully protect their minds and their emotions. Helmet of salvation. A helmet protects the brain or the mind. Understanding the eternal security that salvation through Jesus brings helps guard our minds against fears and doubts that can so easily steal the abundant life. The sword of spirit. The sword is the only offensive piece of equipment that's mentioned here. And it's really a small sword. I think it's more for kind of counterattacks. But the spirit, God himself, which inhabits followers of Jesus, whose role is to bring us truth, who inspired those who were writing the Bible, he has the ability to disable Satan and his schemes. Think about Jesus and his time in the wilderness when he was directly tempted by Satan. When Satan brought a temptation, what did Jesus do? How did he respond? By quoting scripture. When our minds and our eyes are filled with temptations and accusations, we can fight back by speaking the truth that God has given us. All right, let me continue with my example just to hopefully show you how real this is. So at one point on my drive home from work seven or eight years ago, I was again bombarded with a desire to smoke weed. And instead of simply suffering and trying to manage it myself and fight back, fight back on my own, I decided to fight back spiritually. Something clicked in my mind saying, man, this is a spiritual battle. I began speaking the truth of my identity to myself and Satan, driving down the road on a Lee drive, small little road, just yelling out to myself with the windows down. I declared that I was a redeemed son of the Most High, that I had been fully saved from the law of sin and death. I yelled at Satan that he had no longer had any control over my mind, and then I demanded by the power of Jesus that he leave me be. And like that, the longing to get high stopped for that moment. You know, it became a regular approach of mine during these battles to fight back, to verbally speak truth, to declare it to myself and to the one who was fighting me. Man, but it wasn't until a few months later that I gained solid victory in this area of temptation. The church that my wife and I were a part of had an annual time of collective prayer and fasting, which I want to start for Rimrock downtown. I decided to be a part of it with the hopes that God would truly conquer my addiction. After three weeks of daily prayer meetings, a series of fasts, and many nights spent in worship sessions, I was able to truly dig my feet in to the dirt and keep my mind fixed on truth. I walked out of that time frame completely free of that addiction and have never again experienced that sensation of longing. Literally, three weeks later, it was my mind and the way that I approached those things were utterly changed. But my battle with the kingdom of darkness is not over. The devil has now moved on to other types of temptations for me, finding different notes to sing into my mind to cause other forms of my weaknesses to vibrate. 
Now, my hopes tonight are that you walk out of here understanding that we live in the midst of an epic battle for our minds and our souls. Satan is very real. You know, often, according to C.S. Lewis, we either use, we turn him into superstition or the term he used, substition. Superstition, everything bad that ever happens is because of the devil. I'm sick, oh, it must be the devil. I must have sinned against God and he allowed the devil into my life. Or substition, that the devil may or may not be real and nothing that I experienced was really connected to him. But somewhere in the middle is the truth. The devil is very real and he's very active in our lives. As the ruler of the kingdom of darkness, he is constantly waging war against us, trying to deceive us into believing lies about ourselves and about God. Right now, Satan has strategies that he is using against you. Think about that. This evil being that desires to destroy you has specific strategies that he's been using and will continue to use against you. Custom made for you. Thoughts and ideas that he's bringing into your mind to pull your focus away from God and his desires for you. Thoughts that stir your emotions and bring you maybe fear, anxiety, restlessness, hopelessness, or the feelings of excess pride and power and invincibility that I cannot be stopped. Thoughts and emotions that lead to the loss of the abundant life. But we have the ability to defend ourselves. In verse 10 of Ephesians 6, Paul clearly states where our power lies in the Lord and the strength of his power. It's the armor of God. We have the option to become a part of the kingdom of light. And light will always dispel darkness. The more that we turn to God, learn what is true, and trust in his truth and his power, the more defense we have against Satan and his schemes, and the more that we experience the abundant life life we want. As you leave here tonight, I challenge you to try to figure out which of your weaknesses Satan is currently honing in on. A recognition, a realization of what is going on is such a crucial step to start fighting against it. Think about where your mind has been naturally gravitating towards the things or people you have been turning to in hopes that they will bring you genuine contentment. If it's towards anything but God, then this is where your battle lies. If your mind goes towards fear or anxiety or despair, then this is your battleground.